hope those were great tidbits for you guys. Adam, I think you missed a little bit of that second one, but you can listen to it when you download the episode. Just like all our listeners. He sounds like a droid from Robot uh, from Star Wars being shut down. Wow, that's Those horrible. were the best. <laughs> Wait, do I, do I sound like that? Yeah, yeah your connection you went to hell. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, <you're better. laughs> Welcome to the Movie Toast Podcast, everyone. Yeah! <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> This is Corey. I'm here again with a reviews episode, and I'm here with my co-host, Dennis. Hello, Toasters. Adam. Hey, everybody. Just want to give you a brief update. We got a tweet that Brad actually is still in Los Angeles, so where are you, bud? We're waiting for you. Come back, bitch. <laughs> and Tommy. <laughs> Wait, he, he texted you? But no, 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 missing. no. Someone tweeted us. So, oh, someone uh, tweeted. It looks like oh. uh, Dan Nethel uh, at Twitter. Dan so Nethel. someone spotted Brad. Yeah, he knows in Brad. Los he said Brad's still out here in Los Angeles. So it's like, why is he not at the office? I wish he was a little more turns. specific. Brad, there come you. back. We need you. There you go. But anyway, let's get along with our <laughs> movies. Let's start with Core Dennis. Let's start with that. Oh, what a twist. Dennis. The Cor- center of the Dennis is where you really want to begin. Um, so so I finally got around to seeing a movie I was looking forward to, Uncut Gems, starring Adam Sandler, released in the end of 2019. This was a film that was met with a lot of uh, critical acclaim. It's a drama crime movie that centers around a Diamond District jewelry store owner played by Adam Sandler, who is just always neck deep in wheeling and dealing and, and right off... From the get-go, it is very clear that this guy is never comfortable. Like, he is always pushing the limit of trying to get to that next step. And it's glorious. It's, <laughs> it's one of those where you recognize very quickly, this is not a character you're cheering for, so much as are we going to even see them survive out the other side of the story? It's interestingly shot. It is definitely in that category of A24 films. Hopefully not to use that word tone too much. That is something that this movie, I feel like, has a lot of. When I say crime movie, I think it conjures up certain ideas. This still is a crime movie, but it's like, it has another feeling to it. And I like that this, it tries to offer up a little bit more of the experience of what emotion you should be feeling, but it's not feeding it to you or not telling you this is how you should feel so much as we're trying to give you the image and sound to get you to that place. You were never really here to spend some time doing this. That just, it has that feeling. I watched this with my girlfriend. We both had a similar reaction of an hour into it. I had to get up and go to the bathroom. I paused it and we couldn't believe there was still an hour left of it. <laughs> like so much happens. And I, I know there's, that's going to be a mark against for a lot of people. And I'm sure that was explained previously in other reviews, but it was something for me that I had a moment of like, oh shit, okay. I now have a much clearer picture of who this guy is and this perspective of, yeah, he's a bad guy, but I kind of just want to see if he ever decides to make the right decision. Like, is this guy ever even going to try to be a good person, even Mm -hmm. when everything is stacked against him? And I think that's what the last hour of the movie really starts to build up to. And it's the last hour of the movie that you're really invested in. And I was all about it. I did not recognize Adina Menzel for a minute. Like, 
Mm-hmm. I thought it was crazy how she looked like fucking 20 years older than she seems to be. Kevin Garnett was awesome. And I liked that <laughs> you're just, you know, he was, an, he was playing an NBA player, but he was playing this NBA player who was in the playoff. Like, I loved the tone that he had when he walked in a room. If he had his guys, he had his security, he had his connection who was also there to facilitate what was going on. I, I really enjoyed the cast. I liked that the dialogue felt so natural that you had a lot of people talking over each other because this is what it would sound like in a small space. And yeah, that is a green light for me. I can see why people wouldn't enjoy it. If I had to guess what color light Val gave it, if she was sitting here and given a review, I should I would guess yellow. It was like, okay, that wasn't what I was expecting. But those last three minutes, oh my God, oh, those wow. last three minutes are yeah. what makes the entire film. Those last three minutes are what completely ruined it for me. Oh, <laughs> crazy. I loved that ending. It's that I mean, gut punch. I loved, I was just like, oh my God, I thought I was standing in a sure world. I knew the ground mm-hmm. beneath me was actually there and everything was just fucking ripped out from under you. Mm. I felt something. I felt emotion. That Which is, you don't get with a lot of movies. Why. Yes. It, I, don't, I didn't need it to be a happy story because let's admit, let's be honest, his character was terrible. Uh-huh. He was to a everyone, horrible his, human being. His wife, yeah. his mistress, his family, his kids, anyone yeah. and everyone he could fuck over, he did. But you can't look away from the, the train wreck that was happening. Like... It, oh. <laughs> Are there any tidbits on this? One? Oh, yeah. So uh, Daniel Day-Lewis praised Adam Sandler's performance in the film. Sandler said to this day it's one of the highlights of his career is mm-hmm. getting that praise from Daniel Day-Lewis. The film was inspired by the Safdie brothers' father's time working as a salesman runner slash runner for a man also named Howard in the Manhattan Diamond District. The Safdie brothers and their father are also Jewish and avid basketball fans. The Safdie brothers have been wanting to make the film since 2009, prior to a movie called Good Time that came out in 2017. But they couldn't get the project off the ground due to lack of financing. During that waiting period, Robert Pattinson contacted the brothers via email and said he was (laughs) interested to work with them after he randomly discovered the poster of actress Ariel Holmes covered in pink neon light from their previous work. Uh, Heaven knows what. I can go a little deeper on why it took so long to make this movie. I went to the Boston premiere of this movie where the Safdie brothers, KG and Sandler were there. Apparently, from the get-go of making this character right in the script, in mind, they had Adam Sandler. They wanted Sandler. Sandler's people passed before they would even give it to Sandler because it's not his type of movie. He, he heard about the script, and he, he read it, and he loved it, but he had no time to do it. So they waited until they get the Sandler. Oh, shit. Because oh, they okay. knew it would pay off. So you guys know the character Yussi? Yes. He was played by... I, sorry, I'm, I'm throwing this one in as well. This, one's, this one goes with what I was talking about, about athletes and celebrities borrowing... So Yussi is played by a real-life jeweler. His name's Maksud Agajani, who oh. was embroiled in a social media spat with rapper, we all know, Takashi 69 in 2018 over a $25,000 bracelet wow. that he said that he lent to Takashi and was never paid for. The situation was covered by mm. several hip-hop media news outlets. Huh. We like, all know who Takashi 69 is. Yeah. yeah. Some was, of us yeah. don't. Anyway, okay. <laughs> that's a me. Adam, <laughs> what did you see this week? The King of Staten oh. Island. Sorry, oh, David. We should have opened with this. Oh, man. <laughs> so it's pretty much Pete Davidson wants to be a tattoo artist, and he tattoos his friends in like a park, and like a little eight-year-old boy walks up, and he's like, hey, man, I want a tattoo. I'll take a tattoo. And he started giving a tattoo to the kid, and the kid's like, fuck this, and he leaves. Later that day, the father of the boy, played by Bill Burr, bangs on their door and yells at the mother. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Your fucking piece of shit son tattooed my eight-year-old child. 
once uh, he finds out that Mercer Tomei is a widow, he's single, the tone kind of changes a bit. They start having a relationship, and he's kind of like everyone else in her life saying, hey, your son needs to have more aspirations. So she decides to kick him out. It's pretty much just seeing him trying to become a man, trying to figure out what's going on in his life. I don't want to go any further into it. It's funny. It has great moments. Great material. Too much material. Oh, like, no. we get beat it over the head at how sad and pathetic this guy is and just how he wants to have fun and just live his life. Uh, it's just too much. It literally felt like it was four hours. It oh didn't get God. good until the last, like, 48 minutes, I think. Well, like, if we just oh, had man. a little bit from the beginning and all the end, I felt like this movie would have been a green light. But for me, it's a yellow light. If you want to see a good movie with the same premise, pretty much, watch Big Time Adolescence. It stars Pete Davidson. Really? It's hilarious. It has a little more going on for it, but it doesn't have the cast. The cast in this is great. The performances are top-notch. There's a whole plot here about his friends wanting to rob a pharmacy, and they get caught. Mm-hmm. They go to jail, and it's like that plot wasn't needed. There's so many little things that weren't needed in this movie that just felt like they were in there for no apparent reason. Damn. But it could have been worse, and it could have been better. Can I ask you if the fact that currently you have to pay $20 to watch this movie anywhere had an effect on what you gave it a rating of? Honestly, no. I was ready to buy this movie. I was like, 20 bucks? I'll even spend 30 bucks. I could only rent it for 20 bucks. That didn't factor in at all. Hmm. I'd say wait till this is on a streaming service or that you on can watch. cable yeah. later. Mm. So I'm sorry, guys. It's not a red light. It's not terrible, but... Yeah. It just drags a lot. You I know. would hope a two-hour and 13-minute comedy <laughs> would have more to it than that. Yeah. yeah, I feel like comedy is calling it pretty light. I feel like it's more of like a drama, in my opinion. And some okay. of it just seems kind of stale and like, I, I don't know. I feel really bad saying that because I know a no. lot of hard work had to go into making this movie. But it, it just it, wasn't hitting on all cylinders for me. Interesting. Tommy, do you have any tidbits for this one, though? <laughs> there, there, are, there are a couple in here. Uh, I'll just stick to one because uh, Adam kind of hit on a couple of them in his review, unbeknownst. The one that's on here that's at the top, Steve Buscemi. Yes, plays, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I left that out. Sorry. Can yeah. I jump in? No, no. Oh, sorry. go ahead. Sorry. So he was amazing in this. He plays like the older man at the fire station that he works at. The guy that really wants to give Pete a chance. I said to my girlfriend, I'm like, how many times has he played a fucking firefighter? She told me he was actually a firefighter before he was an actor. And he actually spent time working on 9-11 and stuff. And it really shows because they show him doing things on the fucking fire truck that I'm like, that looks amazing. He was? Yeah. And he still does do random stuff, apparently, it sounds like. That's interesting. What else, Tommy? Is there another tidbit? No, that was the tidbit. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Before we got into tidbits, I'm like, I hope he doesn't say that because I want to talk about it. so sad. There's only Uh, No, I'll I'll elaborate more on it because there's more to it. It said that before becoming a full-time professional actor, he was a New York City firefighter. In November 2000, Boucher. Shemmy told an interviewer he was with Engine 55 in Manhattan's Little Italy for four years in the early 80s. After about a year on the job, he resumed his acting classes, but he continued working as a firefighter while simultaneously acting in plays and movies. And then in 1984, Buscemi quit to pursue acting full-time. But then after the terrorist attacks on September 11th, he returned to his old fire station to help search for survivors in the rubble, which is also where... Pete Davidson's father was working at the same time. So I think they worked side by side. And that was where Pete Davidson's dad passed away, I think was during the September 11th responders. 
maybe that's why Buscemi got involved in the film. And he yeah. was great in this movie. It made me remember he's not just a wacky character. He can be a really oh, good actor. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Let's do Tommy's movie. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to start off right off the bat. This movie is a green light. It should be seen at least once by everybody on the planet. And I guarantee that anyone that's seen this movie, I will say one phrase from the movie and you'll know what I'm talking about. And this is why I, this light is an instant green light and everyone should have at least seen it once. <laughs> the dude abides. I'm talking about the big Lebowski came out in 1998. This is a cult classic. I've seen this two dozen times. It was yeah. not very popular when the movie came out. It had a budget of 15 million and I think it made 17 million in the United States. <laughs> And 47 worldwide. Okay, it made its money back plus a little bit. So that it loosely could be considered a success. But as much money as a big blockbuster at that time, right. it was yeah. like right. a whole bunch. And with the names of the people involved, I mean, you're talking, we had Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Julianne Moore, Steve Buscemi, Philip, Philip Seymour, Seymour Hoffman, Hoffman, Tara Reid. Every time I watch it, I, I always try, just like most of us do when we rewatch movies, I try to watch it and pay attention to different things Mm -hmm. uh for each time and i've seen it enough times that i could tell you this movie backwards and forwards and uh this time i actually came up or i'd heard about a theory and i kind of i think i feel like i proved the theory this time watching the movie are you guys interested in the theory yeah shoot so the theory i read online was that donnie the character played by steve buscemi did not exist and he was a product of Walter's uh, PTSD from being in the military. And that if you think about it, there's only one time in the entire movie that anyone other than Walter is, makes a reference to Donnie. Any other time in the movie, and I've watched, that, that's the only thing I paid attention to the entire time we watched the movie this time around. Walter's the only one who actually speaks to Donnie. Huh. except for the big Lebowski when they're leaving the bowling alley. And he's like, Hey, your phone's ringing, dude. Thanks, Donnie. So I have another theory of how he could still not have existed and is just a product of Walter's PTSD. And that would be that it's a split personality with Walter and that the dude recognized a different tone in Walter's voice saying what we heard Donnie say. He kind of goes along with Walter because he understands the PTSD that he suffers from. Anyways. That's an interesting theory. My question yeah. is, mm. aren't they all there on the cliff when they're spreading Donnie's ashes? That could also be Lebowski mm. also just going along with Walter. Like Walter could have said, oh, Donnie had a heart attack. Oh my God. And then we got to go get, well, where'd you his... get the ashes? Yeah. And he's just going along with it because huh. he's a good friend. That makes and he's sense. He's the dude, and yeah. that—that's like dude everything vibes. the dude lives for. So I don't know that when I read I like that theory, that. it just blew my mind. And so all I did was focus on that aspect throughout the entire film until Donnie dies. Oh, that's interesting. That made me want to rewatch it. Rewatch it and think about it. Because don't we see it, John it Goodman be... sitting down and Donnie knocking down pins? Right, but it could it could be another guy on their team. It could be Walter. I mean, I don't know. It, we never I'm see. not a big fan of theories like these, but I, I do yeah. like it. You are backing it up pretty strong. Anyways, <laughs> I never even got into what the movie's about. A mistaken identity and seeking restitution for a ruined rug. And that's pretty much the movie, <laughs> if you think about it. It's the, the, the dude's rug gets pissed on because he's mistaken for another guy that has the same name. 
and then the be... entire... <laughs> go ahead sorry I was no, say, wouldn't it be funny if the person tasked with making the movie poster was just like that was all the information they were given yeah and it's like okay so this is oh, your fucking man. tagline yeah all <laughs> the things i do for a rug yeah and that was that was thing. their brad oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck you brad oh wow yeah. he didn't mean it brad come back okay the only tidbit i mean there's 186 tidbits on this movie ladies and gentlemen go on to imdb go to the trivia tab you'll be engaged for hours i promise you but the one that i'll tell you to start it off to light that flame of interest in these tidbits was in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine. John Goodman stated that the dude referring to the Big Lebowski as a human paraquat was one of the only improvised lines to make it in the final film. Virtually every other line, including every single time he says the word man, Ah. which was 147 times in the movie, bonus tidbit. And dude, that was all scripted. And oh, I got it. I got to include one more because this was the funniest thing I read. The Jeff Bridges would rub his eyes anytime that his character was supposed to act high or stoned ah. in the movie. And he basically would talk to the, he would ask the Coen brothers before every take, is the dude high or is he sober or is he legit? And yeah. if they said he was high, then he would rub his eyes and then he would, yeah, man, <laughs> start acting high in the, in the, in the scene. But if That's he if he genius. was supposed to be, then he wouldn't he wouldn't do that. So that's how. It, yep, that is the genius of the Coen Brothers and Jeff Bridges. Genius really until won. they did Hail Caesar. I'm just kidding. I like Hail Caesar, kidding. man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just trying to. Do you guys have any questions, O-mail. or do you have anything you want to was add he, about the theory? Was was Jeff Bridges really rolling J's and fucking ripping dubs? Oh man. Well, <laughs> I'm sure we all know, having worked on on film sets, that. I'm sure he that there were some maybe that he was, but most of it's probably just tobacco. <laughs> Did um, I think I think because of that theory and because of Adam's scathing Jesus Rolls review, I'm gonna do a double feature. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be interesting. Ooh. I don't hear about that. I don't you, watch did them you guys, both. Okay, another bonus tidbit. Did you guys know that all of the dude's clothes were Jeff Bridges' own clothes? No, that's that, cool. No, that's interesting. The, the wardrobe department basically they were like, "What are we going to have this guy wear?" And this is I read this or I listened to this in an interview with Jeff Bridges, and they were like, "What is he going to wear?" And the Cohen brothers are like, "I don't know. What would what would the dude wear?" And Jeff but the Bridges question is, is like, "Well, why don't we go home? We can look and they found the jellies sandals that he wears, the robe, the but shirt, the shorts, all that was all Jeff Bridges' own. The clothes. dude is a real person in real life. They didn't just." motto would he wore no it was all jeff bridges oh, interesting. <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting uh, to me. yeah huh. very interesting well this was a fun episode a lot Corey, uh no you have one too <laughs> you, have, you have a movie to review come on okay <laughs> i watched uh, excited to talk about it <laughs> Sorry. i watched john carter i ain't got much to say about this one it deserved to make no money yeah. Um, it seemed like they said, "Hey, Avatar is the highest-grossing film of all time. Let's make a movie that's extremely akin to that." And then they made this movie. I think they knew it was going to be bad because they didn't drop too much advertising for it. I gotta say, okay, so here, the John oh. Carter isn't a horrible movie. It's just another movie where they throw you into a sci-fi universe 
and they explain the whole universe's rules and exposition as like everything's going on and they never slow the fuck down long enough to get you to care about any of the people you know i mean that's when people write these movies they need to slow the fuck down i think that's the thing that eventually they'll learn because if your character dies and I haven't spent any time with that person on a human level, finding out what they care. want, what they like, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I on Mars I'm sure. rock, knock your socks off. But that's pretty much all I got to say about this movie. If you've seen it, you're in the minority. If you haven't seen it, probably don't need to. But if you want to watch Disney fail, <laughs> which doesn't happen that often, here's a pretty good chance. And it's reasonably entertaining. I'd give it a yellow and um, I'm not too impressed. Like, don't watch it too closely to Avatar. Don't watch it too closely to any other sci-fi, especially the quality. <laughs> and, um, you know, you know, have some food. I had orange chicken. Ooh. And, and Kung- Express? Or and Kung- actual- no, it's this local joint Ooh. by me. I had, uh, Ooh, local. Yeah, I had orange chicken, and I had uh, Kung Pao chicken, and I had a lot of yes. rice. And um, that kept me going. And no white potatoes. No white potato. No one one understands that. Yeah. Unless I did. Did I say that on a recording? In the last episode, we kind of talked about it. I'm allergic to white potatoes and I'm Irish. So that's a steam. Oh, speaking of Tommy's tidbits, you know what? If you go on IMDb, Tommy does such a public service because (laughs) if you go on IMDb, like 197 of the 143 tidbits on IMDb suck. And so Tommy goes and he gets the juiciest. I get the juicy ones. Medius (laughs) of, of quality. That is his tidbits. Tommy, uh, no, well, there are some times that I, I pick out a couple bitter ones that you guys point out afterwards. But no, the okay, this one has you're gonna appreciate this one, Corey. I really, really strongly believe. Uh oh. Otherwise, I wouldn't say it. This is an Andrew Stanton tidbit. Gotcha. Has, he confessed that he isn't too satisfied with how the movie turned out. Oh, really? He confe- uh. and and in his confession, he confessed that part of the problems, part of the problems came from a first time live action director being quote drunk with power after receiving too much money and creative control. Oh, he said that could that? be an issue. Ballsy. He said that too no, much money is... and creative control. And he's I talking about that. himself, right? No, yeah. he's talking about Andrew oh. Stanton, isn't he? Andrew Stanton. That's, he, he, oh, Andrew that's who's saying it. About himself. He said it about oh, himself. That takes not, a lot to say about himself. As, that's awesome. Not as ballsy, but still pretty ballsy. No, I feel like yeah, it is. Not, yeah. Most people don't call themselves so like that. No, I know. Hollywood's okay. cover up. So this one, this one's kind of, it's a, it's a, like a, a two-parter, but I, I, I'll, I'll see how well I can do this. So the Part film, one. this film holds the record for the longest time in development hell. You ready for this? I, okay, I'm going to give you guys, as a team, three guesses of how long it was in development hell. And I guarantee years. none of you will get it. 25? Incorrect. I'm not going to say higher or lower. Seven. Incorrect. Dennis? 45? Dennis was the closest. 79 years. No. Yeah, it's, like, it's a really old book. Pre-production first started in 1931. Shh. When Robert Clampett, director of Looney Tunes, approached Edgar Rice Burroughs, the author, to make an animated feature out of the first book in the series, A Princess of Mars. 
This is and, my favorite tidbit ever, I think. So, had, yeah. yeah, had plans gone through, John Carter could have become America's first animated feature, beating Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in 1937. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just got to mention, look up Bob Clampett's uh, animation style. His tone is very specific. That would have been a very interesting movie if he actually got to follow So, through. he was known for, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he did like the Bugs Bunny type stuff. Yep, right. he's a Looney wow. Tunes hardcore OG. Wow, you can you can kind of tell that this movie was written that long ago because yeah. it's like modern day for them is like 1915, and it takes place in the past, which is like the late 1800s, and it's yeah, um, and kind of their knowledge of Mars and stuff is a little dated. I will say, I will say, what it is, it's about a, a a prospecting guy from Virginia finding an alien cave in the 1800s and going to Mars and seeing a bunch of aliens and stuff. That's what the movie's about. So I didn't give it so a the, synopsis. The second part of that though was after all of that. So I finally left development hell in January, 2010, in spite of all of that and the movie coming together financially though, you ready for this? Oh my God. This is considered the largest box office loss in Disney history. It beat out Treasure Planet. Wow. So the studio entertainment division, it reported an $84 million loss in the first quarter of 2012. Such a large loss was attributed to issues with marketing, management changes at the studio, lack of merchandising normally associated with such a large budget film. As a result, any plans for the two sequels, they were going to make two sequels, scrapped, gone, done. Oh yeah! Wow! Wow! Eighty-four million dollars. That's a shame. There, I'm sure that there were movies around that time that weren't didn't even have that much but of a budget and were more successful. But let's not be modest here. That's nothing to Disney. Eighty-four yeah. million dollars is a fucking piece of toilet paper to them. Yeah, but, I don't know. It's also a whole other movie that could have been made. Yeah, you know, like yeah, <laughs> that's well, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and just think, like you said, just think of how many other movies that they had to turn away because they wanted to make this because it was in development hell for so long. And they're like, no, oh, we got to sure. make this movie. And 84, oh God. And things that probably could have turned out, turned them more, out of a more money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to quote Patton Oswalt. I would pay $20 to go and look at $84 million in a tent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Isn't That's that a great funny. quote? He used a lot more money than eighty-four million, but I, I think that was relevant. And so. For another twenty dollars, you could dive into it and swim yeah, around. Like right, Scrooge yeah. McDuck. Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> That's about it for us tonight, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you had a fun time talking with us, movie toasters. Good night, everybody. Good night, like, so There he is. Like, there you are. subscribe. Oh. Good back. night. I got this. All right. Yeah, hey, let's not always say good night. All right. We don't know what time people are listening to this. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Hey, guys. Hey, Jim fuck. Carrey. Hey, if you want to talk to us, if you want to see anything else, check us out on YouTube, Discord, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, I already said, all <laughs> at movie underscore toast. Uh, and I really want to get to the bottom of something here, guys. If, if you're a fan in Ireland, I really want to know what we're doing to get your numbers and what, what can we do to get even more numbers from you guys? Here, how did you first hear about us? Yeah. Like, where did, where did we show up? I think at Big some question. point I said I wanted to go to Ireland, and ever since then they've been like, come on over. Oh, I've man. been to Ireland. It's a beautiful place, guys. I've never been. I, I, I just, go. I'm amazed you are almost topping the uh, downloads in 
United States, and it's amazing to me. It's awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. The luck of the Irish. Just don't eat those white potatoes if you're uh, lactose intolerant, like Corey. Those are two different allergies. <laughs> two different but I have things. Them, but I have them both. You know what's funny? I used to literally say that allergies weren't real. They were just people making excuses for food they didn't want to eat, and they were trying to be like, oh and, and now that I have, like, two or three allergies, I'm like, fuck. Oh, <laughs> Corey doesn't want to eat white world, potatoes man. anymore. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't want to eat McDonald's french fries. That makes a lot of sense, Tommy. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> McDonald's french fries are my favorite food. Anyway, Next time you go to McDonald's, shine? ask them if you, they can make their french fries for you, like, with uh, sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes suck ass. I have to do red potatoes. Have you now. ever had sweet potato fries? Sweet potato yeah, fries are suck. good if they're done properly. Or what about Places curly fries? Can you at least Ooh. have curly fries? No, no it's, it's like fries. It uh, sweet, sweet potato fries, you eat them and it tastes like a normal fry. And then it tastes like the sugar sweet hits you in the mouth. Like someone just dumped a <laughs> what pixie other, stick in after the fry. What other type of fries are there? Listeners, if you're know. listening, if you're still listening to this right now, this makes the cut, which I doubt. Oh, Look will. up the different types of French fries because we have just, white potato, we have sweet potato. What other kinds of red potato? potato. I make that's how I that's how I bypass the allergy. But they're but still white in the red potato. Nah. I don't know. It doesn't make my tummy hurt. <laughs> oh, okay. And it doesn't make delicious orange diarrhea. So skin. it's it's just I always fine. take the skin. I always take the skin off. Yeah, the fries. The potato. Oh, dude, baked potatoes. Those are the best. The skin's the best oh. part of it. Oh, butter that bad boy yeah. up. I'll eat it. Yeah, it depends on red light. Maybe. Red light, ladies and gentlemen, on the skin <laughs> on a potato. That's only Tommy's fucking review, by the way. Let that be known. And that is Tommy's some, review. Put some. But Tommy will eat chili, anything. Look put at some the chili bags cheese. in the background on a regular recording. I hope this doesn't make the episode. The bacon bits on the top of it. Good night, everybody. Good afternoon, boom, everybody. Boom, boom. Good morning, everybody. What were you, you going to say, Tommy? Good night. Goodbye. Get fucked. Yeah, that should be our <laughs> thing. I know that's not going to be our yeah. thing. Good night.